Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. Our Fight Laugh Peace magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21 year Belvini, no ice. We don't water down our scotch. Why would we water down our theology? Order a yearly subscription for yourself and then send a couple yearly subscriptions to your friends who have been drinking lukewarm evangelical Kool Aid. Every quarter, we promise quality food for the soul, wine for the heart, and some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine will include cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter sprinkled throughout our glossy pages, and more. Sign up today at FightLaughFeast.com. That's FightLaughFeast.com. Now we get to the news, and the media are in panic mode over questions about whether they knew in advance about the Hamas attack on Israel. On October 7th, Four photojournalists who provide reporting and photos for the likes of the Associated Press, CNN, and the New York Times, Reuters, and other outlets were allegedly at the Israeli border with Hamas terrorists who committed acts of atrocities against innocent Israeli civilians that shocked the world. Since an Israel-supporting news watchdog website reported the claim, everyone wants to know if these Gaza-based reporters knew in advance about the attack, and more importantly, if they could have saved lives by alerting the world about it. The question arises, did the AP, CNN, and the New York Times and Reuters know about the Hamas terror attack in advance? The allegations have sent major media into panic mode and generated even more mistrust in corporate press. The website Honest Reporting, which chronicles coverage of Israel by an increasingly one-sided press to contrast the uh, Pallywood and crisis actor coverage by Hamas and its agents, asks, quote, is it conceivable to assume that journalists just happened to appear early in the morning at the border without prior coordination with the terrorists, or were they part of the plan, end quote. Hamas terrorists paraglided and drove into the civilian populations that day and committed acts of horrific brutality. They wanted their murders and acts of terror chronicled for the world, which is why they wore GoPro cameras and apparently arranged for these traditional media photographers to go with them. Honest Reporting reported that four names appear on AP's photo credits from the Israel-Gaza border area on October 7th. Hassan El-Saya, Youssef Massoud, Ali Mahmoud, and Hatem Ali. The news watchdog took a close look at El-Saya, a freelancer who also works for CNN, crossed into Israel, took photos of a burning Israeli tank, and then captured infiltrators entering Kibbutz Kafar Azah. El-Saya did not wear a press vest or a helmet, the website reported. He posted a video of himself on Twitter, or X, saying that everyone who were inside this tank were kidnapped. Everyone who were inside the tank were kidnapped a short while ago by Al-Qassam brigades, or Hamas armed wing, as we have seen with our own eyes, end quote. The website later featured an older photo of El-Saya with the Hamas leader who planned the attack. In the war reporting, journalists are often given a heads up and allowed to chronicle American troops heading into battle, for example, but this wasn't an act of war. It was terror. It was murder for murder's sake. There hadn't been an Israeli offensive to which Gaza terror organizations was responding. Indeed, if Hamas has been wearing uniforms and acting as an army, they would have been accused of war crimes. As it is, they're accused of crimes against humanity. Elsewhere, UK 
Infant Indy Gregory dies amid legal battle with British government over treatment options. A terminally ill little baby in the United Kingdom who was the focus of a legal battle involving her parents, British health officials, and the Italian government over treatment options died Monday in hospice care. Christian Concern, a group supporting the family, said eight-month-old Indy Gregory died after her life support was withdrawn on Sunday. This according to the Associated Press. The infant had suffered brain damage because of a rare condition known as mitochondrial disease. The child's doctors said her life support should be removed to allow her to die at a hospital or in hospice. But her parents, Dean Gregory and Claire Stainforth, continued to fight for her to remain on life support, hoping that experimental treatments may extend her life. The Italian government had solicited permission for her to be treated at Bambino Gesù Children's Hospital in Rome. Italian officials even granted citizenship to the baby amid the legal battle over her health care. Doctors claimed that Indy was not aware of her surroundings and was suffering as they argued she should be allowed to die peacefully. Legal challenges supported by Christian concern were rejected by British judges. Indy's case is the latest in a series of legal battles in the United Kingdom between parents and doctors over treatment for children with terminal illnesses. British judges have repeatedly taken the side of doctors in cases about the best interests of the child, despite parental objections to a proposed treatment option. Court of Appeal Justice Peter Jackson said on Friday that doctors treating Gregory and other critically ill children were put in an extremely challenging position by the legal battle. He also criticized manipulative litigation tactics that attempt to frustrate orders made by judges after careful consideration. Elsewhere, over 70% of Americans unwilling to be drafted if World War III breaks out, according to a poll. A new poll has found that 72% of Americans would be unwilling to volunteer to serve their country if World War III breaks out, compared to just 21% who said they would. As the U.S. becomes deeply embedded in the ongoing Israel-Hamas war and the Russia-Ukraine war, the Echelon Insights findings suggest that most Americans hold a more American-first view of foreign policy than the political establishment. Since 19 1987, the U.S. military has shrunk by 39%, and the Army and Air Force missed their recruitment targets in 2023 by 10,000. Meanwhile, the Navy missed its target by 6,000. The lack of troops could pose a big problem for America's war readiness. While infantry soldiers were relatively easy to train in a crisis, pilots and naval specialists require years of instruction. As the National Pulse noted, the traditionally conservative-leaning young people in the military has often relied on for manpower, may have also been deterred by its intolerant attitude towards unvaccinated Americans in recent years and senior officers' promotion of far-left interests such as drag and white rage. Meanwhile, the prospect of World War III is becoming more likely. Americans may not have to worry about being drafted as nuclear weapons would destroy most countries. Last week, President Donald Trump warned that Mexico could be at risk of nuclear destruction in the event of World War III breaking out from the war in the Middle East. Trump said the potential ramifications of another nuclear war could involve the total destruction of Mexico, saying, quote, the biggest threat is nuclear weapons. And now for my favorite topic, sports. Former national champion head coach Jimbo Fisher fired for poor performance. And I've covered this on my own sports podcast, Game Time with Garrison and Garrett. You can find it there. Texas A&M has fired head coach Jimbo Fisher, bringing his six-year tenure with the Aggies to a close while netting himself $76 million. The firing comes on the heels of a 51-10 victory of Mississippi State, moving Texas A&M to 6-4 on the season, this according to CBS 
sports. Fisher took the Texas A&M head coaching position in 2018, coming off of a successful tenure at Florida State, where he won a national championship in 2014. While the Aggies did manage to go 9-4 in 2018, Texas A&M has struggled over the past two seasons, barely cracking eight wins in 2021 and going 5-7 and seven in 2022. When Fisher became head coach of the Aggies, he signed a 10-year, $75 million contract, which was later extended through 2031. The contract also came with a massive buyout clause worth $76 million, which he is now owed by Texas A&M. Quote, after very careful analysis of all the components related to Texas A&M football, I recommended to President Welsh and then Chancellor Sharp that a change in leadership of the program was necessary in order for Aggie football to reach their full potential, and they accepted my decision. We appreciate Coach Fisher's time here at Texas A&M, and we wish him the best in his future endeavors. That was Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork. He said that in his statement. The Aggies will finish off their regular season with the Abilene Christian University and Top 25 LSU. And that is your news for today. This has been your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a pub membership, a magazine subscription, or tickets to the conference next year in Dallas, Fort Worth, head on over to fightlaughfeast.com. And as always, if you want to send me a news story, if you want to ask about our conference next year, or if you want to become a corporate partner of Cross Politic, email me at garrison at fightlaughfeast.com. For Cross Politic News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day, and Lord bless. 